Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. The late Peter Marshall, who was chaplain of the United States Senate, once told a beautiful story called The Keeper of the Springs. He said that high up in the hills above a beautiful, picturesque village, there lived a strange and quiet forest dweller who took it upon himself to patrol the hills, and whenever he found a spring, he would clean it from the brown pool of silt and fallen leaves, of all of the mud and mold he would take away, so that the water which bubbled up through the sand ran down clean, cold, pure. The waters from the springs would sparkle over the rocks, drop joyously in crystal cascades until swollen by other streams, it became a river of life to the busy town below. The mill wheels were whirled by its rush. The gardens were refreshed by its waters. Fountains threw it like diamonds into the air. Swans sailed on its surface and children laughed as they played on its banks in the sunshine. But the city council was a group of hard-chiseled businessmen. They scanned the city budget and found in it the salary for the keeper of the springs. And the keeper of the purse said, why do we keep paying this guy? We never see him. He's not necessary to our town's work life. We build a reservoir just above the town. We can dispense with his services and save his salary. So the city council voted to dispense with the unnecessary cost of the keeper of the springs. So the keeper of the springs went elsewhere. He no longer visited the brown pools, but watched from a height in a distance. The reservoir was built, and when it was finished, all went well for a while. But over time, the water didn't seem to be as clean as before. A scum soon befouled its stagnant surface. There were constant troubles with the delicate machinery of the mills. It clogged with slime, and the swans found another home above the town to rest in that beautiful pond. At last, an epidemic raged, and the clammy yellow fingers of sickness reached into every home in the village. The city council met again. Sorrowfully, it faced the city's plight, and frankly, it acknowledged its mistake— of the dismissal of the keeper of the springs. They found him in a distant town, returned him to his joyous labor, and gladly he agreed, and once more began to keep the springs. It was not long until pure water came lifting down the tunnels of ferns and mosses and to sparkle into the cleansed reservoir. Mill wheels turned again as old. The stench disappeared. The sickness waned and convalescent children played in the sun and laughed again, and the swans had come back. That beautiful and fanciful story by the late Peter Marshall, the keeper of the springs, it resonates in my heart today because it reveals a beautiful principle. And the principle is this, who holds the mountains holds the springs, and who keeps the springs holds the life for all downstream. If you would let me today on this daily devotion, 
I want to talk to you about being with Jesus in the mountain. If the Lord helps me all of this week, I want to explore the subject of prayer. The ministry of Jesus can be told from peak to peak, from mountain to mountain. From the mountain where he was tempted by Satan to the mountain where he preached what is now called the Sermon on the Mount, to the mountain upon which he built an altar and prayed all night before Calvary, to the mountain where he broke a lad's lunch of five loaves and two fishes and fed a multitude. There is the mountain where he pointed and said, mustard seed faith can toss it into the ocean. There is Mount Calvary. There is Golgotha. There is the Mount of Ascension or Olivet, where Jesus left this earth to return again. It's a veritable mountain range in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. How easy in the midst of all of these mountains do we overlook a particular mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. Indeed, this experience of our Lord is easy neglected. Why is that? It doesn't seem that vital compared to the other mountains. We relate to the other mountains, but this one, not so much. The transfiguration seems unearthly to us, foreign, too high, too lofty. It sort of baffles us. It was there in the Mount of Transfiguration a week or so before Calvary that our Lord's face shone with the light of a thousand suns. His garments glistened. Visitors from another world stretch our theological basis. There was a heavenly voice there as well. We would much rather retreat to the Sermon on the Mount that we can outline, dissect, and bisect rather than to look at transfiguration and say, that's too high for me. Let me stay down here below. But today I want to go there, to the Mount of Transfiguration. Late in the Apostle Peter's life, one of the final things that he wrote and shared with us in Second Peter, this chief apostle said, I remember that day I was with him in the mountain. No experience in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, seemed more becoming to our Lord of glory than this one. Here, Simon Peter would say, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. On this mountain, angels kissed the earth. On this mountain, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, unite with the one who was full of grace and truth. On this mount of transfiguration, all of creation must have trembled. For here, Jesus was transfigured. And Simon Peter saw the glory of God resting on the Lord Jesus Christ. How amazing, how transfiguring, how transforming. Where is this mountain? If you stood at the lowest point on earth, the Dead Sea, and looked due north up the Jordan River Valley, you would find this mountain, the Jordan River's father, the Dead Sea's daddy, Mount Hermon, covered in snow. Pretty much the year round, Mount Hermon was the mountain considered sacred by those ancient Canaanites. The psalmist speaks of the dew of Hermon that flows down on all of the other mountains of Zion. 
Any mountain Jesus occupied was blessed by that mountain. The psalmist said, from here, the Lord commands the blessing. At the Holy Mount, Jesus and three disciples climbed late in his ministry. What was happening in the life of Jesus leading up to this mountaintop experience? This was pretty much the turning point of the ministry. Mark tells us this. Jesus was at the close of his ministry to the multitudes. He was in the final lap, the final stretch. Only a few things remain. From this time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer. He was looking this trail of tears in the face when he climbed that mountain. There he would be changed from the earthly to the heavenly. The face of Jesus shone. His clothing glistened, the Bible says. Jesus was standing at heaven's gate. He was showing what would happen in a moment's time. He conferred with Moses and Elijah. Maybe Moses said, I remember when I was taken from Mount Nebo. Maybe Elijah said, I remember when a chariot of fire came for me. Death has no hold on you. If there is a greater moment in the Lord's earthly life, I can hardly think of what it was. For it shows us Jesus chose shame rather than glory. He stood with two men, Moses, who refused the courts of Pharaoh, Elijah, who stood alone at Carmel. It just seems that Jesus calls us to stand alone at times in the mountains. No wonder Simon Peter remembered this day. He woke up and saw the glory of another world. He said, I was with him on that holy mount. You and I can't be with him in his deity, but we can be with him in his holy mount. We can be with him in prayer. We can climb that holy mountain and we can find help in the time of need. We can become keepers of the springs. We can make absolutely sure that the heavenly moments in our life on those mountains affect everything downstream and in our lives below. And yes, like Jesus, we will see that prayer transfigures us. As he prayed, his appearance altered. Prayer will change us. You see, prayer is more than petition, confession, and thanksgiving. Prayer is ascending from court to court until we reach the holiest of all. And we with unveiled faces reflect his glory. Wasn't that the message of Moses? If you stay long enough in the holy mount in God's presence and God's glory radiates you, you will exit that place glowing in the presence of God. It's what our forefathers called praying through. We shall see him and we shall be like him. The more we pray, the more we see him. The more we see him, the more we reflect him. People can see that we have been in the mountain with Jesus. If you look at the map of Christ's life, follow him. There is one scarlet line that leads from Hermon straight to Jerusalem. It's one of the straightest lines, it seems, that Jesus ever traveled. And from this experience, he would be tried greatly. 
So we should say this. If you will spend time in the mountains with Jesus, the same power he found, you and I will find. That prayer empowered Jesus in the wilderness over the devil. It empowered him in the mountain over the unbelieving multitudes. And it empowered him at Hermon over any ungodly, worldly agenda. Prayer is powerful to see you through. Are you and I with him in the mount? Should you and I reach Simon Peter's age or that moment when you realize it's almost over? The time of my life, my ministry is drawing to a close. When you too are about to make your exodus, will you remember what Simon Peter remembered? Will you remember your treasures, your accomplishments, your deals, your promotions, your possessions? Or will you say, I was with him in the holy mount. I beheld the majesty of the almighty God. To be like Jesus is partly to be at home with him in the mountains. To understand that from the mountain springs forth all of the beauty and all of the power and all of the life that will flow into the valleys below. That what you and I receive in the darkness and the obscurity of those hilltops, it will affect everything we say and everything we do, every interaction, every relationship. May His glory spill into our place of prayer today. I believe that we can join Jesus in the mountains. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.